All right, so I'm pretty pumped, Nick. Are you? This is a good start. Oh, you started? Yeah, I started oh. just now. Oh, good. Um, I noticed a glint in your eye, <laughs> and uh, that should have been my first clue. Yeah. So this is episode four of Fake It. It took me four episodes to be on. Yeah. That's okay, because I was far away, but, but now I'm here, and all's right with the world. Eventually, I'm going to have some tele-episodes, but Ooh. I'm glad to have you here physically for one. I'm glad to be physically here for one. Yeah. Or four. And so, <laughs> we could break this up, and we could... Be, <laughs> it's at least a two-parter, for sure. Okay, all right. Um, so, I don't even know where to start with you. <laughs> there's so much good stuff. I mean, I can't even just, I don't even know what to do with you, Nick. You have, first of all, you have such a good voice. I've heard this, all the things I've done. You have a great voice for podcasts. People love, you've been on the radio. <laughs> People like hearing you. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Rob. I pointed out, um, th- this, I was going to say this is, Part one of two of the podcast we're recording today. The other one is Ottawa. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so in the notes for that episode, I wrote that we need to talk about your voice. <laughs> yes, I, I saw that. Pointing out that you have a voice for radio <laughs> and a face for television. <laughs> you have the best of both worlds. Aw, <laughs> aren't you sweet? Actually, but, when, when uh, I was talking to the guy who's in charge of the grad cast at UWO... Yeah. I ended up being in line at the grad club with him briefly, and he was just, you know, chatting with me. He looks at me, he's like, so, have you done much uh, radio work before? And I said, well, no, but I'm told I have a face for radio, which is a classic joke for me. But he just, like, looked at me, he's like, what on earth could you possibly need? Oh, oh, a face for radio, that's rich. So you got to tell that joke for the first time. Yeah, I did, I did. Pop that cherry. (laughs) felt good so that's reason number one that i wanted to have you on the show great voice great friend i was gonna say the friendship (laughs) the how many years has it been friendship yeah it's Uh, been been several seven maybe something like that that sounds about right depends where you start counting um but you also have under or are in the transition from one big life thing to a different big life thing. Yeah, I am. So since this is at its heart a podcast about success, why don't you tell me a bit about what you've been doing and what you're going to be doing? <sighs> well, since we were last together long term, so since Ottawa, I moved back to Belleville to my ancestral home. I worked at SGS Lakefield for a year doing, I started doing ICPMS analysis, but uh, work loads changed and they shifted me to what they called settlement, settlement umpire, which is their like elite analysis division. And that's not my wording (laughs) either. They were like, yeah, that's our elite analysis division. Like we, we put, uh, we put good people there and like, Oh boy, that sounds oh, great. <laughs> so like they say elite analysis. And I'm like, well, that word is going on the resume. <laughs> and so I worked there for a while until like most of our work was geochemical samples. So 
like we were, we did everything in house in what is supposed to be a loading bay. Like, okay. It's where you park trucks and stuff like that, but they had just run out of space in the just terrible old building. Like they couldn't even tear it down because there's so much asbestos in the walls that it's just easier (laughs) for them to leave it standing because the asbestos in the wall is fine. It's when you start like breaking the wall that the asbestos gets airborne and it's a problem. But so like the, in the, in the interim, they have actually built a new building on the site and everyone works in there now, but we were in like, you know, a glorified garage with a big door on it. This is the elite group. Yes. Is in the garage. But everything was done in-house there. So in other divisions, like the wet prep is done in one section. That gets carried over to another section where they do analysis. Like we did everything in-house. Okay. So, and it was preferably like one or two technicians that oversaw the entirety of an analysis. So you knew exactly what might have gone wrong, what went right, yada, yada, yada. But you had absolute control over the process. Right. But, oh, my God, was it boring. Like, it was just, I mean, the same thing day in, day out, which, and it wasn't, like, as technically demanding as it could be, it wasn't uh, challenging, like, mentally challenging. So, I mean, it's all just lab work and following a recipe. And that's about what it was. So I ended up getting laid off because the mining, this was post recession. So the mining industry was kind of hit and miss for a while. And it just tanked all of a sudden. And every time that my contract had come up for renewal, they were like, we're heading into a shortage again. So we're not going to make you full-time staff. Right. We're just going to extend your contract. And the last time they extended my contract, they said, so we're giving you an extension when we're supposed to be giving no one extensions. So you and this other guy in settlement, we're going to keep you guys. Just don't tell anybody that you wow. just got renewed. And I was like, sure. Okay. No okay. problem. And then like two weeks after that, they were like, so orders have come down from on high that all contract workers are getting canned. So if this was a Monday, they're like, we'll pay you through for the rest of the week, but don't come in after Wednesday. Cause they could not afford me being in the lab and using reagents Wow! for that. Like that's how tight it was getting. That was, I was there when the business had been the worst ever business was worse than in the 2008 recession. Wow. (laughs) That's what I walked in on there. And so after that, I was employed for a little bit. I did some uh, volunteer chemical inventory for my old high school, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And I'll also briefly mention that I was driving to and from Lakefield, which is like 110 kilometers yeah. either way, because I was constantly on contract. And I was like, I don't really want to like get a place here because, <laughs> you know, I could, the axe could drop at any moment and it did. Yeah. So there's that <laughs> beautiful drive though. Beautiful country. Absolutely gorgeous. Nothing bad to say about it. Nice. Um, so after that, I went to live in Calgary for a summer with my darling Kaya And I was a bike camp instructor. (laughs) And honestly, I had a blast. Like they, I got along so well with people there. I got to do a couple interesting things with them. Like we, we were paid extra to go out and like scout around for trails and stuff to take the kids on after work one day. And I was the safety auditor and it was just, 
kids are great. They're just, they've got so much enthusiasm and you're there to like bike with them and they're already enthusiastic about bike. It's just a great time. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Um, yes. Did I, how many times did I use the word fantastic? Well, you, you also like, it gets you in shape. You're outdoors. You're yeah. Lots of yeah. Energy. I did a, I did a category. Oh, was it four or five? I biked up Edworthy Hill every day, Yeah, which was great way to wake you up in the morning. Long and steep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about the size of it. Yeah. By the end of the summer, we were taking the kids up Edworthy. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> um, and then I decided, well, th- I had started the process while still at uh, SGS because I was like, this is, this work is kind of boring. Like it's not very fulfilling. So I, like I looked at my situation and the only interest I could seem to generate in my resume was academic because I'd worked doing some research and method development stuff with the federal government. Ideally that would have gotten me a job in the federal government, but this was also post 2008 and under uh, Harperian, would we call it Harperian austerity? Yeah. And they just were not hiring. <laughs> so, you know, looked into other avenues. So I looked into corrosion and Dr. David Shoesmith, who is a wonderful, wonderful man. One of the hardest working profs I've ever seen to like, to the point where he had a conversation with me one day. He was like, oh yeah, so you'll be working on this, uh, you know, in your free time, whatever. Um, I'm going to be in on Thanksgiving Monday or whatever it was. And he said, that's not to say you have to come in, but I'm going to be here if you need me. (laughs) Like that's the level of work he puts into these things. So, you know, over unemployment time period and going to pedal heads, I had set up going to UWO for graduate studies. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just really, really interesting. I learned a lot. I learned that I do not want to do research for the rest of my life. And I think, uh, I think you're familiar with that feeling. Cause I got to about a year in. Yeah. Which is, or six months in was when you decided you needed to get out. Two months in was when I decided. To get out. <laughs> really? Um, so how hard did you not want to do academic research? How hard? Did if you I could quantify it by some, by some tangible action, how hard, <sighs> Would you say you didn't want to do it? This is a segue. I mean, if I could <laughs> perform a simile, maybe I'd say, like, if you've banged your head against a brick wall to the point where you've started bleeding, it's about that much that I didn't want to keep going. <laughs> like, as much as you wouldn't want to keep banging your head against a wall. Right. And because nothing worked ever, and it was horrible. <laughs> So do you think that would have changed if, if things had worked? Do you think it would have been different? I don't even know. Like, I don't, it was, it was complicated. Cause I mean, I didn't enjoy, I mean, the work was interesting. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like it was interesting. It's just, it was always failing. And I mean, there's a challenge in that and it was fun to try and figure out how to get it to work. But I mean, part of the problem was I lost a couple months right up front because they put me on a new material. Okay. And so everything I had needed to be machined in the machine shop by special technicians so that, you know, control of uh, experimental variables. Yeah. <clears throat> and 
So I just straight up lost a couple months right there waiting for that to happen. Um, I lost two months blatantly breaking my hip. And yeah. <laughs> that time when I was 26 years old, <laughs> a male, like literally physical peak of your entire lifetime and broke my hip. That That's a thing that happened. Yeah. But it wasn't like a, you have, it, there's reason people bet people better than you have broken their hip. I nice. suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I lost a couple months to that. And even then, like, after I came back, I was not an effective worker yet. Right. Because, like, I could be up and moving around for 10 minutes and go, oh, do I need to sit down for an hour or so now? That was exhausting. <laughs> and then it was in July that they looked at me and they said, oh, or, oh, so we want you to present all your data to the group. And I was like, oh, this will be awesome. You know, great time. Going to figure out what I'm going to do my first year report on. And... It was in that meeting where they talked about it and my supervisor just, you know, rubbed his beard pensively and said, yeah, maybe, maybe this system is impossible. Maybe we just can't study this. (laughs) And then they kind of looked at me and said, and said, oh, well, I mean, you're doing a PhD. Like you'll have, you'll have time. I was like, I want a master's out of this. And they go, oh, (laughs) you better get some data. It's like, oh, right. I'll just walk up to the data tree and pluck some data. <laughs> Cause that's how that works. Oh man. Yeah. So it was around that time when I really looked into like, okay, what do I actually want to get out of this degree? And I looked into, you know, corrosion inspection and stuff like that. And I started to actually look at corrosion inspection jobs and they all wanted you to have your professional engineering designation. And I was like, well, that's not <laughs> happening. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, it was only by being in that group that I found out about non-destructive testing, which is where I would like to proceed now. Right. And, uh, it's a different inspection thing, but you know, it requires some specialized training either in school or by an employer and some certification examinations, uh, time spent in the industry. But I mean, looking from within the master's program, it looked like I was going to have to do that anyway. Right. By the time I got out to actually become employable. And so I just looked at it and said, well, why don't I just cut my losses here and move on to what, where I was probably going to end up anyway. Makes sense. I like to think so. Yeah. I like to think that that's like, the most basic form of game theory, <laughs> like looking at all the possible outcomes and being like, okay, so how do I get here most efficiently? And what am I doing? So, like, what am I doing up to and including that point? Yeah. I think because for me, when I left, it wasn't at all the professor and it wasn't at all my project. I liked my, I liked the, work that I was doing day to day and I loved where I was working. It just, it wasn't something that I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. I can empathize with that. And so it, it kind of sounds, it sounds to me if I pretend not to know the details of both of our situations that we didn't like grad studies that we didn't like 
our group or our professor, but like that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, no, I, I worked with amazing people yeah. and my prof was just the most patient, kind man. Yeah. But grad school is just, I, I found it to be a particularly soul robbing <laughs> experience. Yeah. The best, the best part was <laughs> when I had told people that I was leaving, uh, one of my coworkers walked into my office one day. I was like, is it true? <laughs> is what true nancy <laughs> she, looked, she looked at me at one point she's like is it because you're not happy because none of us are happy <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, no. if one statement could encompass the whole thing yeah <laughs> do you think that there's something to be said for the fact that uh, well in like i've from, from personal opinion that professors named david are great. Like my professor, Dave Bryce was so patient and so compassionate to my situation. And I can verify this completely after, well, after two months when I made the decision to leave, my decision was going to be to cut my losses like you did. Mm -hmm. And this is after two months of a two year degree. And he convinced me to sort of rapid fire the degree and said that with the work, with the project that I was doing, if I could finish it, I could probably finish the degree in a year. I would just have to take a compressed class schedule. So like take my four classes more quickly than I would have otherwise over the two years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that my master, like having a master's has helped me in anything, but it certainly sounds impressive when, when you tell someone you finished a master's degree in a year. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, I don't think that I necessarily did more work than anyone else would have. It was just, it was more efficient and my project happened to work out really well. So I got lots of data from it. You were also building on, uh, having been in that I, research field yeah. for a year or so. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was prior. coming in fresh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But so it worked out well in that sense, but I, I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. And even I, I wouldn't say I turned down any like official job offers, but it was about that. Like there were, I could have had a job in the field of NMR and I didn't really, it didn't really interest me to, to keep going with it. No, didn't, uh, yeah. didn't want to spin those rotors. Didn't want to, didn't want to shim those magnets, Rob. I didn't want to, you got well, against, uh, it, properly shimmed magnets, Rob. It would have been a sales position. <laughs> oh, so it, would have, it was in NMR, but it was sales. And so it wasn't something that interested me. I tried very briefly to get a job in Delaware for oh, it's probably the delivery. Um, do, do they're just going to leave it. Oh, okay. I sort of want to see if it's FedEx. There is a brief segue we could do later, just by the way, just that I thought of. Yeah, what is it? So at the end of your first year, you have to do a first year report to justify why you've been there an entire year. And, you know, used all their reagents, used all their time. And as I was trying to write that, I realized I just did not care about it. And you've read my blog. I have. I can care about a surprising variety of topics. (laughs) And if I couldn't bring myself to care about the crevice corrosion of stainless steel, then I, I really had to stop and go, what, what am I even doing here? Yeah. Like you could probably do a PhD in some of the things you've written about. 
like biofuels, for instance. Switchgrass. <laughs> and I feel like that would be so much more rewarding to you. I could definitely do an engineering PhD anyway. Having sat in on some engineering presentations, I burned this and I burned this and I burned this and I burned this and this burned the best. And then like all the scientists in the room raise their hands and go, so why do you think that that burned the best? <laughs> well, I don't know. It just, it burned the best. I burned it and it burned the best. What aren't you understanding about this? <laughs> Is this not science? What am I doing? <laughs> I wrote it down and everything. <laughs> Oh, man. So let's talk more about your blog. Let's first of all, plug it. Where can people find your blog? Vodka and equations dot blogspot dot CA. Or you can just Google the phrase vodka and equations. Yeah. And so question the first domain name. Are you not going to buy one? Are you uh, gonna- <laughs> I should buy nwamatics.ca or something like that because... That's just my moniker on everything is NWA Maddox. Yeah. Then you can maybe have, I should do that. Yeah, you can have vodka equations dot NWA Maddox. Oh, dot com or dot that would CA. that would be good. Maybe I should hire a media company to look after that for me. Like <laughs> RJA Media, I believe it is. Yeah, that could work. There's a guy I know. <laughs> it is. It, I've actually got three domains now. Oh, sweet! So it wouldn't be that hard. I don't know if you're up for it, but, uh, so tell me more about the blog. Uh, I'll start with the name because the name is something that I came up with while talking to you. It was, I think I was talking to you at the time and my one friend sent me a text. You can read about this story more on vodka and equations, by the way. Um, she sent me a text saying, Hey Nick, I think I found your backpack. I looked inside and it had vodka and equations in it. (laughs) And what she'd found is an empty bottle of vodka that I brought to a party and an equation sheet from a quantum midterm. Yeah. But I thought that was neat that, you know, well, this has vodka and equations in it. That must be Nick. Yeah. So I was talking to you and I said, Rob, if I ever have a blog, I'm going to call it vodka and (laughs) equations. And then I think within a week, I don't, I don't know how long it took. But I was definitely inebriated when I started it. (laughs) As all good blogs are started. Yeah, absolutely. And for a while, actually, it became almost a therapeutic exercise. Because I would get, I don't know, I would start thinking about things. And just, I would want to talk to everybody about it. And I would constantly be thinking about it to the point where I would literally lay awake at night thinking about switchgrass. (laughs) (laughs) but it got to the point where I thought maybe I'll just write about this. And once I'd written about it, I just, I stopped talking to other people about it. I stopped thinking about it. So it was just, I don't know why, but I felt that having written it down, I've just thought to myself, well, I've explored this more or less thoroughly. Not, I mean, some are more thorough than others and the writing style and writing quality varies, but (laughs) It's just like to this day, if I'm rambling on about one topic to everyone I see, I should write a blog post about this because clearly I am passionate about this topic. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about switchgrass many times now and, and your writing on the topic and just talking on the topic has prompted many conversations. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that I write is that, I mean, in my mind, I think that everybody that I know 
reads everything I write. So I'm like, if, and, and now that that's, now that I've converted to starting to do videos as well, I feel like, I feel the same thing. Like everyone I know has watched everything I've done. Well, I ro- I watch everything you do. If someone doesn't watch everything you do, I think they might be a bad friend. They probably are. They're like, <laughs> I imagine they're like Hitler, but without the personality. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, so I've, I've started actually taking things that I, that I think in real life that I normally would talk to people about and just written about them or talked about them on a video. And I've all, noticed that's all I need to do because I'll wait like a week before catching up on your stuff. And then Rob, you're unemployed. What the hell happened? And you're like, Oh yeah. So that's been a thing. I see you're catching up on your videos, Nick. I, I've, I've had that happen up to a month later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. Uh, I'm I'm working on trying to come up with a way to not shout in everybody's face all the time with what's happening. Trying to come up with the best way to do that. Uh, My tendency is to make a group of some kind, which sounds super narcissistic, like make a Facebook group or make a community on Google Plus or make something. Super narcissistic? It sounds so narcissistic. Like, I'm doing so many things, I need a group to post them all on. Well, I don't know. There's just... There's a certain utilitarian argument. I mean, you post so much... Like, you have so many projects going at any one time. I feel like an aggregator mechanism would be... It would certainly have utilitarian value. Right. And the problem with that approach is that it works great for me. Like I've started using my blog as, and now you can get, if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe to the RSS feed and you'll get everything I'm doing. But nobody who I would want to see my stuff would benefit from the RSS feed. They would either already know everything I'm doing or they don't know what RSS is and have no idea what, if I said, Oh, like RSS, people would be like, what? Oh man, there is a subscribe by email option on blogger yeah there is and for the longest time i just looked at it i was like no one is going to use this absolutely no one and then my mom was talking to me one day she's like oh yeah i like reading your blogs except i never know when you've published i was like mom does not want to get an rss aggregator because she's just it's just that's not going to be useful for her (laughs) the subscribe by email option is perfect for my mother so yeah now it's sitting there on blogger on my blog, basically so that mom can know when I publish something. Does it give you any stats? No. Okay. Well, not that I've noticed anyway. Because I've always I've 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 seen that, and I would want to be able to like send a newsletter or something like once a week, be mm-hmm. like, "This is all the stuff I've done this week." But I don't know how well it would work if I, like if it sent an email for every post. I wouldn't want to subscribe. <laughs> that would be a lot of emails. Yeah. You're a busy guy. Well, on Thursday, last Thursday, I posted four different things. <laughs> or I guess last Friday from Thursday. Yeah, it's it's becoming a lot. But I'm I'm I like it. Would you say well you gotta you gotta fake it till you make it? Exactly. That's what I'm working on. Thank you for the plug. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so let's switch gears a bit. And actually, well, it's not, it's not switching gears so much as it's bringing in another facet to this, which is relationships. They're a thing. They are a thing. They take work. 
they, t- they take work and they take especially large amounts of work when you are physically separated from a person. <laughs> yes. And I've said for a very long time that I couldn't handle long distance relationships to the point that I, before Julie and I moved in together, we, I considered us in a long distance relationship because we were, uh, <laughs> I remember minutes. this. Yeah, we were 15 minutes. You were across town. What I think at the very same time, Kai was in South America. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, basically in a long distance relationship, Julia lives across town. Yeah. Well, when you, when you're on a bus, that is, that's like an hour. Yeah. It must be so hard for you. It's, <laughs> or it must have been rather. It's certainly like that was the most, that's the longest distance that I think I could sanely handle for, for any extended period of time, more than a few weeks, like a vacation yeah. or something. But you've been, you are a marathoner of long distance. Um, I'm actually trying to think when it was that we started being long distance. It would have been 2011, 2012-ish. Yeah. And so, I mean, Kaya recently tallied it up and she said we're in a, in a relationship that will be six years old on the 23rd. Because, of course, I we started dating on Molday. <laughs> um, roughly three of that has been long distance. And not even, like, across town long distance. Like, right. I lived in Belleville. She lived in Kirkland Lake or South America. She's, she also had a brief stint in Montenegro. Yeah. Most recently, Calgary. Yeah. She's been everywhere, man. She's been everywhere. <laughs> And so you have handled that with a lot more aplomb than I would be capable of. And why don't you fill me in on what you think it takes to have a successful long distance relationship Um, for you? Well, I mean, it's not just me, right? Like, I, I mean, a big part of that has been Kaya. Yeah. And... I mean, you know me, Rob. Once you get your claws into me, you could just never let go, right? No. Yeah. It's just impossible. <laughs> you wouldn't want to, first of all. Well, no. I mean, like, why Why would you? If you've got all this locked down, why would you just let that go? <laughs> um, but, uh, like, in seriousness, though, like, it's been work on both our parts. It's, I think, the biggest Part of it is communication and not just talking, but actually talking about the things you're happy of, like sharing your successes, Mm -hmm. sharing your frustrations, talking about what you need from the other person, because there have been, um, I mean, big, small issues where, you know, you want your partner there with you. And you just don't have them to comfort you when you need it. Right. And so, honestly, most of it comes down to communication, I think. Just really effective communication and actually talking about things you need to talk about. And there is also the non-trivial issue that, for me, Kaya is a very, very special person. And 
in all the time we've been together, I have never once, I've never found another person and thought to myself, this would be an acceptable, an acceptable substitute for Kaya. Like, I, I don't know how to properly articulate that, but it's just, I've never met someone with whom I would rather spend the rest of my life. That makes sense. I mean, I'm a little hurt, but it makes sense. In a, you know, heteronormative yeah, pair yeah. bond. <laughs> uh, what we have, Rob, <laughs> that's irreplaceable. No matter the distance, no matter how far. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I've, in my teens, in my youth, I consider my teens went well into my low 20s, sort of maturity-wise, especially in relationships. If we're talking about, like, prefrontal cortex development, I think that's it. Yeah. In males, it does last into the late or the early 20s. Yeah. And so I, I've found recently in my current relationship that I've, I've matured in that I know that every relationship has shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And so you when you found someone that you want to spend your life with, it's easy to get into a fight and think this is the worst thing ever. This is the end. Yeah. I, I want to get out of here, but you have to put it in perspective and think about, you have to think about the good things and realize that in obviously there's something big that's bad that's red flag and get out of there but if if there're little things that are bad every if she's selling your bodily organs <laughs> yes. for money that is a red flag yeah. get out of there but a, a generally good relationship that has its little bad moments is the best you're going to get like there's no perfect relationship there's no relationship without fighting yeah it, it and it's kind of a, it's almost like a life concession because as a youth, if something went bad in a relationship, I would be gone. I wouldn't even give it a chance mm-hmm. because I thought that there was something better. But growing up, you come to see that better is always relative. And there is a certain good that comes from having a long relationship as opposed to a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also, I find a lot of people um, that I've seen anyway they will date through the honeymoon phase and that there are actually documented changes in your neurochemistry during that period of time. Yeah. And it lasts for so long, but once that's over, people are like not just doe eyed at each other, I think is the word I want. Yeah. Like the minute they stop just, I love you so much. I love you too. (laughs) Like, and they have like, the most minor of fights they're like well we're not perfect for each other this isn't my prince charming or princess other sub charming yeah <laughs> <laughs> or my you know beautiful perfect princess like yeah. i'm gone i don't need this and it's right. like well that happens with every couple at some point or another yeah it's just whether or not you're willing to work through whatever issues there are exactly other than stealing a yeah, organs. I mean, there are certain less drastic things that would still cause me concern, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a, that's definitely a big red flag. Yeah, you don't want anyone taking your organs. No, no family, no relationship, no significant other. Yeah, just well, and because you need most of them. Most they could take your appendix if they really wanted it. <laughs>
You got to really want it, though. You do. Like, that's a lot of work to get it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Up next, I'm just going to say the word Linux and describe to me your relationship with the word Linux or the, the Linux itself in less than 50 words. Less than 50 words. To start. Just give me a brief. My one true love. That's all you need? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, like, Linux in general, it started, again, you were there for this. We took, I think it was third year quantum. Yeah. When we started doing simulations on a cluster. Or That was a fourth year class. Yeah, okay, that was fourth year. year. But... We started doing simulations on a cluster and using basic Linux command line interface and Tom Wu just being like, yeah, so you can actually download Linux and use it yourself. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds complicated. I don't know that I'm going to get into that. But tech savvy Rob showed up with <laughs> Ubuntu on his laptop not long after. It was like, look at all the things you can do with this. It's amazing. I was like, holy crap, that is amazing. I, that's a that's wonderful. Why am I not doing this? And so it's it's been like that ever since. It's it's not unlike Kaya. Yeah. Right now, I don't have Linux on my laptop. I'm using Windows 8 and there are things that Windows does well. And there are things that Windows does not so well. But, and I mean, even looking at friends' uh, Apple computers, like there are things that OS X does well and things that OS X does not so well. And, you know, they're interesting and different and variety is the spice of life. But nothing could ever replace Ubuntu or perhaps Kaya for me. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, it's a good way to put it because... Uh, when I started with Linux about at that time, I mean, immediately when I learned about it, I was like, oh, I got to go get this. Especially when I found out that you basically download a program and it would install it next to your existing hard drives. Yeah. You could dual boot, pick whichever operating system you wanted to start. So I didn't have to commit to going Linux full time. And it was so fun because I was just getting into the the computer programming software side of things, getting really interested in it. And there's just so much potential. (laughs) There is. It's the way I've described it is a manual transmission for a car. That's what Linux is for your computer. Like a manual transmission, like you can use an automatic, but you will never get the full performance out of your car that you can with a manual transmission and actually taking control of the base of the machine that way. Yeah. And that's like, that's like what Ubuntu is. And there's just so many degrees of freedom with it. And that was another thing that appealed to me. It's not just that it's free as in beer, it's free as in speech. Like it's freely distributed and things like that. And that was also when I really started to hate Apple products (laughs) (laughs) because I looked at all the advantages of Ubuntu and I, wait a minute. This is what Mac basically campaigns on. Like all their benefits are just the benefits of a Unix like operating system. And then I looked at, you know, Linux is free 
and Apple charges a premium. Granted, there are design aspects too, yeah. but you do pay a premium for it. And I was like, this is morally wrong. How <laughs> could anyone ever? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that's what happened there. So many millions of people are morally bankrupt, <laughs> including myself. It's like I don't even know you anymore, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> even though you already did know me. I've since like softened my stance significantly, but I'm still not going to set foot in an Apple store. No. And I was there today and it was lovely, but I'm glad that it made you happy, Rob. It really did. The, the one thing that I would say about Linux is that if you, the like I, I would be fine because I have multiple computers. So if something went wrong, I could go to the internet on a different computer to troubleshoot. <laughs> yeah. But if you have one computer and you just want things to work, you would either need a very, very stable system like Windows or Mac, or you'd need a physical location that you could go to that someone could help you with. Yeah. And Linux doesn't have that, which is, it, it's... If you have the right friends, it does. Right. But again, <laughs> the, peop- the kind of people that are going to need this kind of technical support probably aren't the kind that have those friends. That's fair. Which, which is unfortunate because Linux, pretty much every problem that you have with Linux, someone else has had before you and has written it down somewhere on some forum. (laughs) Yeah. And has probably possibly written a program to fix it, or at least has given you the script that you can just paste into terminal and fix it. Yeah. Which is, which is one of the greatest things. And the only reason that I'm not using Linux now is that you sold your soul. I didn't sell my soul. I, <laughs> I, I went back to Windows full-time before I ever discovered the wonder that is Apple products. And if I can be honest with you, there was a time last week when I was sitting there trying to figure out a better way to get a video from my phone to my computer than plugging into USB and transferring it. Yeah. And... It was so easy to transfer it to from my Apple device to my other Apple device. And this is new. This is You were living the iLife, were you? You were this, high on the iLife. <laughs> this is something that the layperson cannot do yet, but as of tomorrow, they're expected to announce that you will be able to, which is AirDrop, the file transfer system that mm. basically any computer that's nearby you that has allowed you to, to see it, you can send files to. Mm-hmm. So I just opened up my phone, went to the video, hit share. My computer popped up and I hit send and it transferred a big video in like 30 seconds wirelessly to my computer. I was going to say like, I, it's not with videos, but I do that usually with, uh, uh, pictures and stuff. Well, yeah, with pictures, it's fine. Cause it's like Bluetooth. It's, it uses ad hoc Wi-Fi, but it, it connects, via, it connects via Bluetooth. Those are, those are sure words. All right, Rob. What do you mean? Ad hoc Wi-Fi. That's I'm a real thing. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what you mean. So basically the, they handshake via Bluetooth, the two devices. Okay. They handshake to get each other's identities. And then one of the devices creates a Wi-Fi. Oh, they just use their, oh, yeah, that seems so dirty. No, it's really wonderful. And then they've basically, they've forgotten about each other immediately after the transfer. Oh, okay. That's. It's wonderful. It's like a one night stand, but for devices. Yeah. Well, like a a 10 second stand. (laughs) 
Like it's just, I'm sure one night stands have happened like that before. <laughs> True, that's fair. <laughs> if you want to get real technical about it, and I do, yeah. But uh, so the the problem with Linux is that you there there isn't a a unanimous front of people developing third party software for Linux. Although that's part of its strength too, because a lot of the problems with Windows. And even Apple at this point yeah. is coming from quick and dirty third-party vendor fixes. In a way, that's true. And the big software companies, like Netflix, for instance, just got support on Linux. Ooh. Like just, it's 2014, and now you can watch Man. Netflix on Linux. Future is bright. Yeah. Chrome, is, Chrome has been there for a while. Um, you're not going to, someone who is used to windows, especially someone in the, uh, an older generation that is just like comfortable with windows XP and doesn't want to move to seven, for instance, would hate Linux. <laughs> just be completely lost. Yeah. But for, for us, it was a fun experience and we were trying to learn as much as we could and soak it all up. But yeah. I've learned that we're in the minority, like a, a tiny, tiny minority of people that see something new that they've never done before and they're like, whoa, cool. What does it do? And so like poking it, most people would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is new and stupid and I hate it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything more you want to say on Linux? I mean, I know you could talk forever about Linux. There's so much to say and yet I feel I've said it all. Sure is nifty. Groovy, even. Eventually, we will do a future chat on Linux. <gasps> Specifically on Linux. This is the first I'm hearing about this. This is we've, a fake we've it talked about it. We've talked about it. We haven't confirmed. No. Eventually. Okay. It, Mike, I hope you're listening. There's, there's, they have Ubuntu now. I believe there, they were a whole, there's a whole big movement for them to do the same thing that uh, Windows is doing and that... I think even Firefox is doing it. They want to have an OS that can go to mobile. It can go on TVs. It can just go yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Once that gets some traction, even a tiny bit. Oh man! Once we're going to be waiting so long. Once it gets a device that that you can buy in a phone store, like oh, a okay. golf store or something. All right. Keep my eyes peeled. Then I think it's perfect to do it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll wait. So impatiently, but I'll wait. I would say at mo. Well, I would. I'd like to do it before Christmas, okay. but I'd like to have something new to talk about with it. All know, right. Just like, yeah. Because otherwise, we could just sit there. We're and just rehashing like year old news. Yeah. Like Linux okay. is great. <laughs> this is Linux. <laughs> yeah, Linux guys. Yeah. Woo. So I think we'll wait for some news, but when news happens, we'll finger on the pulse. We'll be right there. Okay. So the last big thing I wanted to talk about is podcasting. Okay. And the reason I want to talk to you about it again, going back to the voice for radio thing is that you have just bought a new microphone. I have. And why did you buy this microphone? I bought this microphone from listening to other podcasts. Like I've actually wanted a microphone for a while because I just hear, especially like, hello internet and stuff you should know and just listening to the sound quality on that and going god that sounds so nice yeah i want my voice to sound like that but 
until just recently, I haven't actually had an outlet for it. And then I suddenly realized I do future chat every week and I sound terrible. <laughs> you sound terrible sometimes. There was one particular time oh, where you sounded was, very terrible. I should have tested that mic first and I didn't. Yeah. And the audio quality suffered and I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It, it honestly is because it, it brought you to where you are now. <laughs> And I mean that honestly, when I first bought this microphone, which we now have the same microphone, the, yeah. the Snowball, when I first got it, I got it because I very, very briefly used the uh, the webcam on my mic- microphone, mm-hmm. or sorry, the microphone on my webcam, which is just, it's optimized for voice. And so if you're talking at a normal voice and it's going through the internet, people aren't going to notice that you, you sound bad. Mm-hmm. And so for the longest, for a while there, I didn't notice. And then all of a sudden, I briefly back in late 2012, early 2013, I started singing. Okay. And I was singing into my microphone. Like I was recording myself singing. I've been singing for a really long time, but I started recording myself. That's the difference. And realizing what a narrow band of frequencies that that How did I not know this about you? I didn't publish it. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have seen it. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't publishing anything back then. I was publishing very, very intermittent, like once a month or once okay. or two months blog posts. But when you get a webcam microphone, it's it's optimized for speaking uh, frequencies. Yeah. And so low sounds and high sounds get just cut off, and you get this narrow. The normal phone call you hear is very. It's a very narrow band because it was optimized for efficiency and a kind of. If I'm not mistaken, it's for a certain volume band too. Like if you start sounding or if you start getting louder, it just yeah, it clips flattens everything to too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I got this microphone just because it was, it, it, I mean, it's USB, so it, it's very easy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with any mixing. You don't have to deal with XLR cables. It's like the simplest thing you can do. And at that point I was also starting to try to record the band Sons of Pluto. Right. And... So again, this is even very, or at least on the border of inadequate for recording all of them. You can record like one guy with a guitar and singing, yeah. but anything more than that, it's tough. And you can record a live show, for instance, but record, trying to do any sort of, even remotely studio level stuff, you're going to be very <laughs> disappointed. But it was enough to get me started. And so now I use this microphone three times a week, at least. Yeah. And it's just, it's been an unbelievable investment. It's the sound quality coming out of it is just so nice. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was another, like being on the radio and hearing what radio quality next sounds like. <laughs> oh, was that life changing? Yeah. And listening to that next to future chat and being like, man, should get a better <laughs> mic. Jeez. Yeah. My next step is to get a mount. So that I can have it sitting in front of me instead of beautiful the anti-vibration mount. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I'd almost get a those things called the uh, pop filter. Yeah, I would get that too. Yeah, I. Yeah, let's go balls to the walls with our audio setups. I don't know if I would get a pop filter with uh, the snowball. Something tells me it wouldn't help much. The dynamic... I'm going to confuse the names. That's why I was trying to avoid saying them. 
the microphone that requires power, like there, there are two different kinds of microphones, mm-hmm. condenser and dynamic, I believe are their names. I think this is a condenser. Yeah. Okay. And so dynamic is the one that like the professional one you'd see in the, in the, the radio studio. Uh, and apologies if I'm mixing those names up, but it is so incredibly precise that it'll pick up the, the, p and the, t and the, like, mm. it'll pick up the air movements yeah, yeah. way more precisely than this will. I could, I can see that. I haven't noticed a lot of popping, but I'm still curious to know what it would oh, sound yeah, I'm, like. I'm super curious to know. Do you want to just like take your shirt off and like <laughs> put it in front of the blue microphone right now just to see? I don't think it'll help in this case. We're not even really talking directly into it. Do you want to? Do you want to take our shirts off anyway <laughs> oh, for, for no particular reason? <laughs> I want to be comfortable, Rob. <laughs> we talked about this, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So your plan, as I take it, with buying this new microphone, is to podcast at least as much as you have been, if not more. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm getting an hour's use out of it a week, or an hour and a half, two hours as it's been going, like, I figure, why not? We also joked, talked, said when I came back from Calgary the first time, said, hey, Rob. You're like, yeah, Nick? I was like... Rob, I'm from Eastern Ontario, born and raised in Belleville, lived in Ottawa. I would like to move back to Calgary. You were born and raised in Calgary and moved to Ottawa. If I go back to Calgary, we should have the East meets meets West podcast. And we will. And I think we should. I definitely think we should. Okay. It sounds like I'm starting a podcast network. (laughs) (laughs) RJA um, podcasts. Well, RJA media could still be. You should just have like at the very end. This has been an RJA podcast. That wouldn't be that hard. No, it wouldn't. You should, you should do it. Just put a tag on the end of every podcast that I do. I have the full control over all of them, so I could very easily do that. <laughs> it's very possible that if no one listens all the way through to the end, that nobody would even hear it. <laughs> Man, I could even put dolphin sounds in. Who even knows who would hear it? <laughs> it's <sighs> so. <laughs> on that note, flipping to the success side of podcasting, podcasting specifically. Yeah. So the 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 success of putting things on the internet for other people to enjoy and having them enjoy them and give feedback yeah. to you. I, that started happening. When, when I first started future chat, it was like, ha ha ha. Let's I, I, like, I love Google Hangouts. I want to use this and Hangouts on air. Really yeah. cool. Why don't we give this shot and see what happens? I first thought of it in December of 2012. And I wrote about how I wanted to do the thing that two years later became future chat. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess one a year and a bit later. And at the time, it was sort of, oh, well, we'll try it. It's it's fun and interesting, so why not? And now there's actually a following. And I don't know who these people are. There's enough people that I don't know. It is so strange <laughs> to see, I think your name is Nastia, yeah. coming back 
week after week and asking questions and being like, I don't actually know this person and they're engaged in the podcast and what is happening. Yeah. Like it's so strange. Yeah. It's, it's really nice though. It is nice. Shout out to Nastia. You're awesome. I butchered your name and I'm so sorry. That's probably, it's probably right. That's what I would have said. What do you, I don't know. You got it wrong. It's fine. You worry too much. That is a common theme (laughs) in my life. Worrying too much. Yes. (laughs) You have given me an idea for a, I guess, final topic. We are kind of polar opposites in the sense that I worry on the rarest of occasions. And you have now pointed out that you worry a lot. I do, yes. What do you worry about? Don't do this to me. Easy, easy things. Broad strokes. Anything and everything. Like... I don't know. I'm just always wondering where my choices are taking me and how that affects. I don't necessarily want to say how successful I'm going to be, but like perhaps a better, better word is like my happiness going forward. Yeah. Just whether or not I will be able to find a rich, 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 fulfilling life going into the future. That makes sense. I, I'm not saying that I don't think about those things. And I, I mean, there's, it, there's nothing wrong with not thinking about them. It's just like, like even coming in to Ottawa, like I was worried I was going to get tripped up, like finding a good parking spot. Like in the end, it doesn't matter and it's fine. And <laughs> I would have gotten here somehow or another, yeah. but I, I don't know. I just worry about it. I mean, Actually, part of like my personal development in the past few years has been a lot of acceptance of the things I do and trying to accept it for what it is. And for lack of a better word, not worry about it so much. (laughs) Yeah. Or like even stress at work and stuff like that, because... SGS had some pretty stressful personalities working there and I'm getting just a little bit upset thinking about it right now, you're, but you're worrying <clears throat> even long after the fact I'm not worrying. No. I'm just aggravated. Like it should never have. So I'm getting animated about it now, but it just trying to recognize feelings for what they are and letting go of them. Yeah. And while we're on fake it and you know, there's no set agenda anymore. There isn't. Um, I'd also like to commend you because part of my personal development in the past few years has been emulating you just a little bit more. And what does that mean? Well, I'm so flattered and so confused. Well, no, like I'm, I'm getting there, but like recognizing that, when I enjoy something, I should not worry about what other people think of it because you just have that in spades. Good. When you're belting, when you were belting out Justin Bieber in the lab <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. I scoffed. I'll admit it, but I envy your ability to just, uh, just fully embrace your passions and damn those who don't want to come along. Oh yeah, that's that's a huge part of who I am. 
That's that's one of the, my favorite things because I, I'm going to put a link to this article again because I talk about it all the time. It's something. It's a there's a website called WaitButWhy.com, mm-hmm. and this guy just he gets me, or I get him, <laughs> or vice versa. But he wrote an article about how we all have these ancestral need, this ancestral need to belong in a group mm. to stay alive. Yeah. And it's baggage that we don't need now. And he calls it the mammoth that's following you around because it's old and yeah. doesn't need to I exist. would say it's the monkey in you coming out. Yeah. But Either way. But everything he wrote about it's it, like it was all about forgetting, for, like forgetting that you need to be cool or that you need to fit in, mm-hmm. and embracing the people that get you, yeah, that are okay with you being the way you are. Like I, tiny little things that bother a lot of people, I just can't be bothered to care about, like <laughs> wearing black socks and white shoes. I don't care about that. Like, is that a with thing? shorts. You're like unless they're very short, like wearing yeah. normal sports socks that go up to you like oh, okay. above your ankles. Yeah. I, I'm fine with it. Like As you should be. I don't care. Like I, I I can match clothes. I don't care to often. Like if I'm going somewhere fancy, I can I can dress up. I know what goes with what but I don't care to do it. Like when we record future chat, I've shown you that I often clash horribly <laughs> mainly because nobody's going to see my bottom half, but also because I'm just inside. I'm just wearing whatever's most comfortable. Like I don't need to show off for anybody. I don't feel the need to do things to please other people. Yeah. I'm going to do what pleases me and the people I care about. And there's a sort of feedback loop where if someone doesn't like that aspect of me, I'm going to sort of cycle them out. Well, I find a lot of people like that are focused more on what I'd call superficial matters. Yeah. Like when you're bothered more by the appearance of something than the actual substance of it. Yeah. And I would just rather be around people who care about the substance of the matter rather than the appearances and things like that. So like, I mean the substance of a person rather than their ability to coordinate socks and shoes. Yeah. For example, it's, it's a good life skill to have to match clothing and to, to know what the faux pas are. Oh yeah. If I'm meeting the queen, like absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to put in more effort than <laughs> if I'm meeting, well, you, because frankly yeah. you get me. That, that's always the example for some reason. Who has ever met the queen? Like who, what regular person ever meets the queen? As Canadians, Rob, she is our head of state. Uh, that's fair. She is the executive branch of our government. I'm she never is the her. most important person that you could meet. I'm never going to meet her. That's, well, not with that attitude, you won't. I don't really. I, <laughs> it's not that I would oppose, be opposed to it, but I don't really want to meet her. I don't have any strong inclination to be like, man, I'm seeking out that meeting with the queen. I want to. I want to eat soup with dignity. That's, that's always the example that I heard growing up. Is like you can't slurp your soup because if you're eating with the queen, she is going to. I don't even know what you would do. She probably wouldn't do anything. No, she wouldn't because she's a classy lady. Well, she's classy. and I mean lady. She is a lady. 
Not just a woman. She is a lady. Oh, no. Where is this going? <laughs> yeah. Caring what people think. There's, there's another side to caring what people think that doesn't get talked about as much. But I think that is it's... Is that the part that makes you a sociopath? Like, just a little bit? Maybe? <laughs> Your eyes just widened just a little bit when I said No, that. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's what it is, to be honest. But um, I, in the last year, with making videos, especially the videos I make for my sister, have become a lot more open about things, and not just not just in in that I'm communicating with my family, which I, who I don't see very often, who's who are back in Alberta. It's that if I'm completely open about aspects of my life. I have nothing, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing going on in my life that somebody's going to judge me for if I'm just upfront and open about it. Yeah. So like if I, if I lose my job or if I'm about to lose my job and I talk about it openly in a video and po- post it publicly on YouTube and then share that video, there's no shame in losing your job. Like there are circumstances that cause you to lose your job. That happens. Yeah. There's no reason to be ashamed about it. We, we have talked about nutrition and then gone on to eat pizza <laughs> that might while being slightly hypocritical the whole point of that episode was to be like listen we're no nobody's gonna eat healthy food 100 of the time embrace the rare opportunities you take to indulge yourself and celebrate them because that makes them all more worthwhile well i mean if we're talking strict nutrition i mean <laughs> even in that sense I have read literature which will suggest that depriving yourself of things you enjoy is not good for your overall diet. And when I say diet, I mean the things you eat all the yes. time. Yeah. Like there was there was one study which involved having either a piece of cake or like a tart or something like that after breakfast. And the people and that was like it. Breakfast was regulated. This cake or tart was regulated. That was it. And the people that ate cake every day or, you know, a sweet every day at breakfast were less likely to binge on cake and stuff like that later because they were like, I already had cake today. Like, honestly, yeah. it's not that special. And it's, so there is actual data to back I love this that. up. <laughs> Don't you, though? Isn't <laughs> science neat? Science has been my best friend all through my life. Like it's always there for me, even when I'm alone. Science is there. Like I, I'm not saying that as a metaphor. I was like going to say you could you could sound particularly sad with this monologue right now. No, I don't. I, I sound science has been there even when no one else has. <laughs> I've been a lot more depressing on the topic of loneliness and friendship in the last week than I will be here. <laughs> uh, if you remember the intermission from the show to the after show of Future Chat, where I was talking about how if if our guests had friends like I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was going to go with this now. What were we talking about? Oh. Nutrition, and we were talking about nutrition and indulging those brief moments when you... or enjoying those brief moments when you indulge yourself. And... Oh, God. No, it's gone. Oh, God, it's off the rails. It's gone. I don't know. 
Actually, if we could briefly talk about forgetting things. Yeah, I, I, I feel like time now. the flow of conversation is often hindered by trying too hard to remember those things. So yeah. I remember, I can't remember who it is, frankly, but <laughs> perfect. some of their, some of their <laughs> notes on public speaking were don't rely too heavily on your notes because if I forgot to talk about something, it was probably well forgotten. It might've been Peter Zosky huh. and referring to interview notes. So he felt that his interviews were needlessly hindered if he tried too hard to adhere to the notes. Right. So he could have a more organic conversation with a person without really trying to hammer home those points that he wanted to make. Sure. I, or maybe it wasn't Peter's ass. <laughs> I don't know. I get, I get that side of things, but I, there, and I've heard it. Lots of people have it. I haven't had this happen to me until the last year and a half or so where it seems like my brain is just full. And so it important <laughs> stuff falls out. <laughs> I forget things almost constantly. Ask Kaya. She'll tell you everything. <laughs> Ask Julia. She'll tell you <laughs> twice as many things. Oh. And a lot of the time, if you remind me, I'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. And then I'll be able to like, pick yeah, it Yeah, the moment up. you like give even the slightest amount of detail about it, it's like, oh, of course, that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like giving you a photograph and being able to picture a mural yeah or yeah exactly call it a bunch of photographs together mosaic mosaic sure anyway yeah you get the briefest glimpse and you can reconstruct everything yeah and then you might be thinking of collage collage that's it yeah yep a mosaic is the one where there's a bunch of tiny pictures and you make a big picture or something like that um yeah forgetting stuff that that's gone in the annals of history now Whatever I was thinking about. <laughs> Maybe I'll listen back to this and, and be like, oh, yeah. And then I'll put it in in the notes. But otherwise, otherwise, it's just gone. People will be screaming. It's like, you are talking about this. Oh, God, please. I wanted to hear the end of that. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I'm not. It was well forgotten. As per Peter Zosky or yeah. perhaps someone else. And often when that happens, I'll sit there for 10 seconds and it's like I'm trying to... Like, I'm flipping through a book in my brain, and the book has nothing printed on it. I'm like, this is useless. There's nothing in this book. What am I reading it for? <laughs> and then I'll try to think of anything else, and it'll all just be gone. I'll be like, yeah. throw that book away, grab another one. Oh, this one's empty, too. <laughs> and then you're like, so rainbows. Too colorful? Ah, <laughs> uh, Are we done? Are we done part one? I feel like this is... A good stopping point. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I will talk to you again. Now, we'll link these, I'll link these two together on the internet so that Ooh. people can leave this podcast and go straight to Ottawa if they want or vice versa. Just like we're going to do in real life. Exactly. And so thank you for being on Fake It. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to be here in Ottawa. I'm glad to be spending your last day in Ottawa with you. Well, your last, your last evening. Um, and so, but probably not forever. Hopefully not forever. Hopefully not forever. I like Ottawa. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Google.com slash plus Nick Maddox. Nice. Uh, I was like the only Nick Maddox on Facebook for the longest time, but apparently there's this baseball player or something. Uh, you can find me at, you can find my 
real loves at Vodkin Equations. And you can check out the Future Chat Suite, nice. at which I'm a usual guest. Yeah. Senior contributor. <laughs> Are you thinking of the former, possibly still current, Atlanta Braves pitcher Greg Maddux? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But it's spelled differently. I know, but... like Google does not find me. It finds athletes. Oh. Yeah, I've had and that I'm issue. Not on, an athlete. I've had that issue on Google Plus too for a while. Yeah. With Rob Attrell? No, or with Nick you. With yeah. Maddox. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It happens. All right. There's a guy, he's popular. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well thanks for being here. Glad to have been here. Bye everybody. Toodaloo.